Do we know how lucky we are to have Miss Allison in our church? I feel like I don't even need to preach this morning. She just gave the sermon, so that's awesome. We're all, all for that. So thank you, Miss Allison. Well, I am Pastor Andrew, if we haven't met before. I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. Pastor Mark is on vacation. And before we get started, I would just love to pray. Jesus, we are thankful that we're in this place. We're thankful that we have an air-conditioned room that we can be in, where we can be surrounded by friends and family, where we can worship you. But in these next few moments, we pray that you would just begin to transform our minds. We pray that you would help our ears to listen to your word and that our hearts would be receptive to whatever it is that you want to speak to us. I pray that my words would not be mine, but that they would be yours, Lord, and that we would listen. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, a week and a half or two weeks ago, I had the privilege of being the camp pastor at Philly Teen Camp, which just basically means I get to open and close the services and be of assistance in any sort of way possible. Um, it was an amazing experience, and if you didn't hear, we had 11 kids baptized, 11 teens from Emmanuel. I think we had a video last week. The Spirit of God moved on that place, and it was just like one of the most amazing experiences I've seen at a teen camp. Um, and we thank God for that. We praise God for all the work that he did, but I want to let you in on a secret about teen camp, all right, that you're not going to get anywhere else unless you've spent a lot of time at teen camp. Um, this is a secret, so if you decide to show up as a counselor or a leader next year, which probably three quarters of you are like, I'm never doing that with my life. Teen camp is never complete unless you visit Walmart at least once. It's true. If, you, if you've been a camp counselor, just raise your hand or a leader at camp. It's true, right? We've got the people in the back back there. You're going to see them in a second because your purpose of going to Walmart during teen camp is not to buy the things that you forgot, like the practical deodorant, toothpaste, any of those things. It's strictly to, to go to Walmart and to say, I'm going to go into Walmart and I'm going to look for the most impractical item they have and I'm going to buy it because it's teen camp week and that's what we do. This is how I wound up with this extra large hoodie bought by my friends in the back right here. You can see them. Take a look. They're wearing matching hoodies, Josh and Matt back there. Yeah, real cool. I'm a medium. This is an extra large. They come back to camp, and this is the problem. This is my problem. I'm going to make some confessions this morning, so don't judge me. They returned. I don't know what they were going there for, but they returned with these, lots of these. And I saw them wearing them, and I thought, well, geez, I've never been great at fashion, but I kind of want one. I was going to wear it this morning, but I thought it would get too hot, so... I mentioned it a few times to those guys, and I've never really, like, I've struggled to, like, figure out how to be cool fashion-wise, but I am always really, really good if somebody is wearing something that maybe looks cool, which you're probably looking at that going, there's nothing cool about this. Somehow those boys made it. I need to also have it, and that's how I wound up with talking Matt Tyree into buying me an extra-large hoodie which I only wore for one day and looked absolutely ridiculous in. If there was gonna be a fad at camp that was coming from Walmart or some kind of trend that was starting, I wanted to be a part of it. The summer brings some of the craziest fads and trends ever. Like I feel like when the summer rolls in, so does the weirdness. This Saturday, I will join my whole family, my sisters, my parents, my nieces, my brother-in-laws, 
and we'll be on the Jersey Shore. We've been vacationing there for 42 years, and let me tell you, I will know by one walk down the boardwalk what is, what is uh, trending or what is a fad for the summer. If you have found yourself on the Ocean City or Wildwood Boardwalk, just raise your hand this morning. You have to know what I'm talking about. From fidget spinners to rubber band bracelets to Oakley jackets to biker shorts, which are back, by the way, in case you're wondering, you still have them in your closet, to penny boards, skateboards, to Crocs, I literally have seen it all on the boardwalk. Anything can become a fad if enough people are on board with it, and if they're really, really lucky, eventually, it will become trending, except for socks and sandals, which I keep telling my dad that he shouldn't be wearing because they're not cool. Both fads and trends, they influence our society, but there's a difference between them. Fads kind of come and go in like spurts, while trends tend to gain this popularity of some sort. They have a potential to last longer. There have been some trends over our years, over the decades that we've lived in, some of us, that have defined certain decades um, because they've, they've led to like a change. They've taken root, they've led to change. Certain fashion trends show us what's happening in our society, while other trends like online shopping or just the use of social media, working from home, they become things that actually define the world in which we live. And as Christians, we have our whole other set of fads and trends. Growing up in, I guess, the 80s, 90s-ish, I remember wearing t-shirts that said Gold's Gym. I don't know if you guys remember that, those of you that are over the age of 40. Or maybe the shirts that say Pray Hard and they were really cool and you had to have them. They were the latest fads. There was the time where the prayer of Jabez became trending. There were the times where Rick Warren's purpose-driven life became something everybody was talking about. Or WWJD bracelets, they were essential to what was going on. We've seen some fads and trends like Preachers wearing sneakers, I haven't jumped on that one, or cool ones anyway. Worship leaders squeezing into skinny jeans. Churches taking a seeker-sensitive approach to ministry. And while they're not all bad things, it does have me wondering, as Christ followers, how are we defining the society that we live in? There's an author, John Comer, who just wrote a book, Live No Lies, and he references Renee DeResta, who happens to be a technical research manager at the Stanford Internet Observatory. And DeResta talks about this idea of trends in regards to postmodern ethics. And here's what she says. If you make a trend, you make it true. But the widespread social acceptance of an idea or behavior does not make it true, much less cause it to lead to flourishing. If history teaches us anything, it's that the majority is often wrong. Crowds lie, the more people, the less truth. Even pastor and author Eugene Peterson, who some of you may know, puts it this way, crowds are often more foolish than wise. And so again this morning, I've wondered as Jesus followers, have we been wise or have we been foolish with how we've lived our lives or are choosing to live our lives? Are we people of truth, and are we, are we helping the world to flourish? Because the truth is, Jesus is not interested in us being another fad or trend in the world. He's actually calling us to be a part of a movement where the way that we live actually transforms the culture 
around us. Paul was a man who understood transformation at its finest. Some of you have heard his story found in Acts chapter 9. Um, For most of his life through adulthood, he was persecuting Christians. And then one day the Lord met him on the road. You remember that story. In one encounter with Jesus, his life was flipped upside down. He did a literal 180. And despite this past he had come from, he, was, he began then preaching about Jesus, about Jesus's grace, about Jesus, how he had changed him in his new identity in Christ. And because of that, the culture around him began to transform. The church grew in numbers. People began to share what they had, their food, their clothing, their resources, their land. Whole entire families and communities were coming to be baptized. They were sharing all that they had. There was no need and people were being broken out of things that had them in bondage. Like the Holy Spirit was moving in a way that was indescribable. And as a result, the world in which Paul walked took on a different tone. So Paul is the writer of the passage that we're about to read, which I think gives us this tangible picture of what happens when we as Jesus followers actually live in a way that transforms the spaces around us. Not by jumping on the latest trend or fashion or fad or whatever's out there that everybody is doing, but by a renovation of the heart. And so if you would turn to Colossians 3, we're gonna begin with verse one. He says this, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you've taken off your old self with its practices and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. How many of you have watched the show Extreme Home Makeover or the other show What Not to Wear? If you've seen either of those. 
Yeah, they were super popular for a while. I've always loved those shows because I think there's a before and after picture that's transformative. Like you almost wanna just fast forward the show and see what the after looks like and not the mess in between. Some of you know my family and I recently purchased our very first house. Um, we just moved in about a month ago and uh, we celebrated 21 years of marriage and we have never owned a house before. And so you can imagine as first, home, first time homeowners, there's this like mix between this is awesome, we can do whatever we want to, oh my gosh, we're never gonna have money for the rest of our lives. It's like freedom and total, total overwhelming, like I don't even know how to describe it. It's not for the faint at heart. The first time that we stepped foot into this house when we were looking at houses, we knew it was the one that we wanted. If you've been in it, those of you that helped us move, it's super quirky. It is weird, it is strange, most people wouldn't like it, but we like to say it has the Sawtell vibe. So if you've met our family, you will understand that. Um, we moved in and we knew there was some work to be had and a couple of friends from church offered to help us clean and paint. We were planning on clean, cleaning, I use that loosely. My husband said I cleaned more in that day than I had in the last five years of our life, so I don't know what that means, but 21 years, my, my bad. It was overwhelming to us to like even think about painting the house and these friends from church said, we'll do it, we'll work on it for you. Well, we kind of had just planned on moving in, but nevertheless, they came over the night before we were gonna move this stuff in. They cleaned until late at night, they painted until late at night and it looked awesome. But what was even more amazing to us was when we returned from a trip to the beach with our family um, and what a couple people, Kirsten Hansen and Jonathan Renzi, had done to my kids' rooms while we were gone. Right before we left, they said, can we paint your kids' rooms? Can we maybe buy them a few things for the rooms that they might like? And we said, yeah, I mean, you don't have to do that, but, but sure, you can paint their rooms, that would be awesome. Well, when we came back and we walked into these two spaces, they were brand new spaces. They had not only painted the rooms, but they had bought wall hangings for our kids, they had ma bought matching comforters and pillow sets. Like the whole room was transformed and we had no idea what they were going to do. And I just stood in the middle of it and I just wept. I just cried my eyes out because the transformation that took place was more than just like the look of the new room. It was the kindness that we felt that was overwhelming. I think in this passage that Paul is trying to help us to understand this is the transformation that takes place when Christ becomes our life. Everything inside begins to change and shift. We become a whole new person. We have a new identity, a new set of values, a new way of thinking. We see things from a totally different perspective. We even begin to carry ourselves in a different manner. A transformation takes place so much so that our hearts and our lives look as though they've been renovated. Dallas Willard in his book, Renovation of the Heart, talks about this very thing and he says this, the revolution of Jesus is in the first place and continuously a revolution of the human heart or spirit. It did not and does not proceed by means of the formation of social institutions and laws, the outer forms of our existence intending that these would then impose a good order of life upon people who come under their power. Rather, Jesus's is a revolution of character, 
which proceeds by changing people from the inside through ongoing personal relationship to God and Christ and to one another. It's one that changes their ideas, their beliefs, their feelings, their habits of choice, as well as their bodily tendencies and social relations. It penetrates to the deepest layers of their soul. And I think that that's what Paul was talking about when he used this picture of transformation. It's not just a fleeting fad fad that we latch onto or a trend that we're gonna jump onto for a bit. It's a total transformation or renovation of the heart. And I wanna tell you this morning that our world is in need of kingdom transformation. And it will not and cannot happen if we jump on the latest Christian fad or trend. It'll happen when God gets inside of our hearts and flips everything upside down. Over the past few weeks, if we've watched our news, um, we have seen so many things that are in need of transformation. Mass shootings, a mental health crisis that's on on the rise. We've seen churches trending, but because there's been hidden abuse for years, leaders who have been dishonest and choosing to not live lives of integrity, We've seen among our own family and friends dishonesty and division among politics, judgment and hatred that continues to trend. Last week, as we saw Roe v. Wade overturned, and if you spent any time on social media or any news outlet, you know that brokenness was just staring us in the face. And it was Christians on Christians throwing hateful words towards each other. Kindness and compassion weren't the center of dialogue by any means, and what became trending was hurtfulness, hatred, and hostility. And I don't know about you, but when I look at that and look at the world in which we walk, I think we need transformation. And so I found myself this week even looking through some of my own Uh, friends on social media and comment after comment wondering, as God's chosen people, are we really living as God's chosen people? The chosen people that Paul talks about in this passage in Colossians. Our interactions, even with each other in the church, leading to transformation in our culture for the good or for the bad. Because a radical upside down kingdom looks very different than what we're seeing played out in 2022. I imagine that picture of what Paul was talking about. It's a place marked by transformation in our lives so much that it seeps into the world that we walk. A world where kindness wins, resources are shared, the marginalized voices are elevated, and whole families are surrendered to Jesus. I wanna tell you that kingdom transformation is possible in our culture. But if we want to move from trending to transformation, we've gotta start with our wardrobe. And so Paul talks about these very things that we can do, these things that we can put on each day. And this morning I wanna give you five easy ways to change up your wardrobe. The first is this, know your identity. As a youth pastor that I spent most of my life as a youth youth pastor, most of my adult life, you could always tell when a teenager was going through an identity crisis. And some of you teens in the room, you you can probably agree to this. 
Sometimes a teen will come dressed totally different than they did the day before. They've decided today I'm going to go with skater mode. Today I'm going to go with all black mode because I'm feeling something inside. I'm going to, I'm going to dress because maybe if I dress like a like a preppiness type dress, maybe I'm gonna fit in some place, some way in my school. And we watch this like transformation of identity throughout middle and high school. Um, it's, it's a statement of who we see ourselves to be as we find our identity. And life for us has become increasingly complex when it comes to identity. And I'm not just talking about what clothes we're choosing out of our closet. We've created labels for each other. We've not only labeled ourselves, but we've labeled our friends and our neighbors according to race, according to gender, according to socioeconomic background and beliefs, and it is confusing, and it's limiting, and it's also what causes towards our division. But Paul reminds us in this passage that when we give our life to Christ, our life changes. And our identity is rooted in one thing and one thing only, and that is Jesus Christ. Verse one says, we've been raised to this new life in Christ. Verse four says, Christ, who is your life? Verse 10 says, we put on a new nature becoming like Christ. And so we don't have to go searching for our identity. It is found and rooted in Christ. So our actions, our thoughts, the things that we say, They're all wrapped up in Christ. He is our life. He is everything. And we start with that, and it makes it a lot easier to get up in the morning and decide what we're going to put on. How many of you have looked in your closet and you thought, well, this is Josh and Megan Yoder's, some of their closet. They've got some really unique clothing up here. How, How many times have you looked in your closet and thought, like, I've got nothing to wear. I've got nothing to wear. I can't find anything to wear. But you're staring at 100 shirts, 20 pairs of jeans, and if you're Pastor Mark, 45 pairs of shoes. I have nothing to wear. We wear 20% of what's in our closet, and the other 80% sits there because we think, you know what? Well, someday I'm going to try to squeeze into that, and it's going to fit. Or that's not really my style right now, but it might be tomorrow, or maybe I need two of those anyway. And so, you know what? At the end of the day, most of us need a closet clean out. And I think Paul says the same thing about our life. He says, get rid of what doesn't fit. And here is what doesn't fit in our wardrobe. Brace yourself because it's long. Sinful earthly things, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, idolatry, anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language, lying, wicked deeds, Those things don't belong in your wardrobe. They will not lead to kingdom transformation. They will never be in style. They will never be fashionable. They don't fit with the identity that we've claimed Jesus to be our identity. They're like wearing worn out jeans that actually aren't really cool. It's like wearing tattered clothing to a five-star restaurant. Our unforgiving hearts, they don't and they won't ever look good. Our unkind words and interactions, they will not ever be in style or trending. Our gossip, it's no good. Our holding on to grudges, it's not cool. So stop trying to save them for another time. He says, get rid of what doesn't fit. A couple years back, my husband, Nate, um, he's a pretty simple guy, but he decided he was gonna wear the same shirt to church every single Sunday. 
I think he's turned to, well, he's got another party shirt on now, but he wore this for about a year. It's a lobster eating French fries. You can take a, take a closer look at some point in time, but it was his party shirt. Every Sunday he put it on, he said, I don't have to think about it. He kind of made a statement. Other people use statements, um, statement pieces. These are Bubba, Bubba Snodderly's shoes. They make quite the statement. You can ask him about that later. We all wear statement pieces. We make statements with our lives on a daily basis. When we use our words, we're making a statement. When we interact with people at the grocery store or the coffee shop, we make a statement by how we say, what we say and how we choose to act. We make a statement as we carry ourselves through the school hallways or on the athletic field. We make a statement to our neighbors. Truth is, every day we are making statements as Christ followers. Statements that often trend in the world when we're unloving or unkind, judgmental, and even hypocritical, when we exclude people or we point fingers, we make a statement to the world. Paul makes it pretty clear that if we're gonna see kingdom transformation, we've got to choose statement pieces when we get dressed each day. And we don't have to go searching for them, he tells us what they are, where mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And if I'm honest, I think this is the hardest part because it's a lot easier for me to tell you what I believe versus be kind to you when you're unkind to me. It's easier for me to talk about forgiveness than to extend forgiveness when somebody has hurt me and doesn't even feel sorry. And don't even get me started about gentleness and patience. You can talk to my family. I'll go out on a limb to say probably I'm not the only one in the room that feels that way that struggles to put on the statement pieces that he's laid out. Because our nature is to be selfish and our nature is to think about ourselves. But Paul says in verse 10 through 11, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn how, learn to know your creator, become like him. Christ is all that matters and he's living in us. He's living in us, he breathes and gives us strength. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts so that we can wear those statement pieces. Paul says in verse four again, Jesus, who is our life, becomes everything that comes out of us. Paul also says that if we wanna see transformation, we have to learn to be authentic. When Nate and I first got married, I was really obsessed with getting a pair of Ugg boots. Back in the 2000s, those were really cool. They were surfer, surfer boots from Australia. Everybody seemed to have them, but they were about $200 a pair. I begged him, we were a couple years into marriage, and I said, can I please get a pair? And he said, just wait till Christmas. You don't need a pair right now, just wait till Christmas. Well, I didn't listen, which tends to be the pattern. And I searched and searched and searched, and on eBay, I found a pair for a third of the price. And so I decided to buy them before Christmas and not listen to my husband. Well, you can know where it's going. When they arrived in the mail, the only thing authentic about the Ugg boots was the box that they came in. They lasted less than a season, they looked half as quality, and my husband, well, I don't think he told me so, he just bought me a pair of boots at Christmas, so. Sometimes when we choose to get dressed in the morning, we put some stuff on and we wear the Jesus t-shirt, we wear the Jesus stuff, but inside, 
our thoughts and our actions are screaming otherwise. Paul gives us the list of statement pieces, but then he makes a point to say, this is what life would look like should you wear them. Verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Paul's not asking us to be perfect, but he is asking us to be authentic. The culture around us isn't going to change because there's a bunch of fake Jesus followers out there. Authenticity says we've got to lay down our pride. We've got to choose kindness. We have to love when it's not deserved. A closet full of knockoff brands will only last so long before they begin to be the very things the world is getting rid of. As I was reading this week about uh, trends and fashions and things, I read this in an article, don't be afraid to try out the latest trends and embrace bold colors and patterns, but also remember that simple staples will form your wardrobe's foundation. I don't know if Paul was a fashion expert back then, but I do feel like he had a pretty good handle on wardrobe because the last thing he says for us to do is this, remember the essentials. Verse 14 and 15 spell out the essentials for us. Above all, above everything else in the closet that you could wear, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as one body you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Love, peace, and gratitude. The essentials that will transform the culture that we walk in every single day. Paul knew those things would make the difference. A couple of years ago, I took my former youth group to, on a trip to Honduras. If you know me, you will hear me talk about Honduras a lot. I've spent a lot of time there, and I love it. It was the first time that this particular youth group was gonna go, and so I'd been prepping them. I had been 20, 25 times. I said, you're gonna love this place. It's gonna be amazing. We're gonna go visit these orphanages that we have like some connections with, and like it's just gonna be this transformative moment of your life. We happened to be scheduled on that trip to visit this orphanage that I hadn't been to before. It was a new place, but I had heard really good things, and so we were excited. And you can imagine as a youth pastor, I was talking to my teens, kind of getting them ready to, for what they would experience, how they would serve, what they would see. And so that morning, it was like the first full day of our trip. We all jumped in a van. We went down this dirt road, traveled down there, got there, and as we pulled up to the orphanage, there happened to be another van very similar to ours. I immediately started to panic and was like, do I have the right date? Did I get this right? I turned to my friend Stephanie, who was our interpreter and a good friend of mine, and we got outside and we're like, we'll just go and knock on the door, ring the doorbell, and, and check to make sure we have the right day. Well, within a few minutes, we were met by a Honduran woman who was super nice and an American team leader of another team. We introduced ourselves and we told them why we were there and that we had come uh, to do vacation Bible school and the other American team member looked at me and said, well, our team is already here. I said, okay, well, we were planning on being here today and Wednesday and she just folded her arms and said, well, we're here all week and we're doing a VBS and that's it. And she continued by shutting the door on our face. 
Well, at that point, my anger began to boil. Um, I was mad. I was excited for this experience for my teens. And I'm standing there and I'm like, you know, you know, when something doesn't play out in the way that you hope for it to play out, and then all of a sudden you're like, you get the choice of what you're gonna put on in those moments, and within a matter of moments, love was not looking like it was found in my closet. Paul's words, clothe yourself with love, which binds you together in harmony. Love, peace, gratitude. I must have cleaned them out of my closet. And in those moments, I turned around and I happened to look at the van load of my teens who had now gotten out of the van and they were dancing in the street, all of them. There was like 15 of them line dancing in the street. I walked over and I said, these people in here won't let us go in. Like they said we can't do VBS with them. Like they're not even gonna let us go in there. And they looked at me, my teens, and they go, you wanna dance? They had made the most of the situation and I had not and they were asking me to do the same. When Christ takes over our life, we put aside earthly desires, desires like getting even, getting mad, retaliating, speaking words of hurt even that happen among owned Christ followers because they are things that will never look good on us. Colossians 3, 7 says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived but now you have to rid yourself of those things. And you've gotta to respond to each other and to the world in a different manner. And we get the choice as to what we're gonna put on. That day, my kids chose to wear Christ. I, on the other hand, was digging through the junk on my floor, things that I had gotten rid of when I gave my life to Christ, ratty clothes that were not invited to the party, Romans 8, 9 says, you, however, are controlled not by sinful nature, but by the spirit, if the spirit lives in you. Our job in this world is to live as spirit-filled people, to ask the Holy Spirit to work and move in us when we can't make that decision on our own. Because in a world that's unkind, in a world that's dark, in a world that can be unloving, we get to be the people that lead in transformation. Paul knew it would be a struggle for us. He knew we were born with this bent nature towards sin, and he knew it would require us asking the Holy Spirit to work and move in us to be the love of Jesus wherever we walk. Sometimes I think as Christians, we don't think the love of Jesus is enough for the world. Like maybe it's just like, eh, just wearing a white t-shirt and some jeans. But the world has gotten complex. And as Christians, we've thrown a lot of other stuff into the mix and the mess. We've shared our opinions. We've thrown out some stuff before we even hear people's stories. We've jumped on one side or the other politically and made sure the world knows. But at the end of the day, the only thing the world really, really needs to know is that there is a God that loves them and a God that has transformed our lives, and a God that extends kindness and compassion and mercy. And when we live wearing those things, the world around us will begin to change. That day as I watched my teens dance in the middle of the streets, I noticed something else. Inside the walls of the orphanages, orphanage, all the little kids had pressed their faces against the window and were watching my teens. 
my teens had chosen the wardrobe of Christ and there was this unexplainable joy in their faces, a joy that couldn't be extinguished with unkindness. Tomorrow morning, we're gonna wake up, we're gonna scroll through our social media, we're gonna note what's trending. And whether it's the latest fashion craze or an influencer pushing some new fad, my hope is that we wouldn't settle to just be trendsetters, but we would look to transform the very culture that we live in. We would choose to get rid of the stuff that doesn't fit, that won't ever fit. We would choose the statement pieces that Paul talks about, statement pieces that will change the world. We will live authentically and we'll be intentional every single moment to put on the essentials. Because when we do that, it is far easier to dance in the world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you meet us in the middle of the mess. There are so many days, and maybe some of us can even think of moments this morning where we woke up and we were unkind to our own family. Or maybe the person that served us coffee. Maybe we had a weekend where kindness just like wasn't a thing, where we're withholding in our lives forgiveness where we're looking at somebody on the other side going, well, you know what, you don't deserve that because you're just plain mean. Father, the truth is you are in the business of renovating our heart and when we gave our life to you, it isn't just to give it. You transform us from the inside out. You do a renovation of our hearts. And that, Father, is what changes the world. And so even as we sing this morning, Lord, would you search our hearts? Would you speak to us about maybe the places in our heart where we need to let go of bitterness, where we need to extend compassion, where we need to ask you to like get inside and repaint and transform and renew. We wanna live the way Christ lives, which is a life of love, but we can't do it on our own. And so God, we ask that your spirit would move inside of us. Thank you for being willing to use us in the world. We're so incredibly grateful. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.